Well, we are on week four now of our series, Searching for God at Christmas Time, where we've been following um, Charlie Brown's search for meaning and purpose in the holiday classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas. And so far, we have, we have looked at a few of the characters that Charlie Brown has gone to searching for direction in his quest. And today, we stumble upon this quest for peace. And who does he go to? None other than his very own sister, Sally. And so today, we are going to explore where do we find peace in life? Where do we search for peace? And we'll discover that in paralleling Sally's search for peace um, and paralleling Sally along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, the earthly mother of Jesus, that there are different places that we can search for peace. Um, But ultimately, there is only one place where peace truly comes from. True peace, that is, in life. True contentment. True shalom in life. And we'll get there in just a few minutes. I'd invite you to take just a moment uh, to pray with me as we center our hearts this morning. Holy God, be present in this place. We live in a world of consumerism. We live in a world of going and doing when so often you call us just to be. Holy God, we invite you to invade this place and this space to be present in our midst. As we, as we open ourselves to you, God, bring us the peace that we come to experience and know through Christ that surpasses all of our understanding through the intangible, through the unexplainable, the peace that we cannot always put words to but that we understand comes from you. God, as we seek you today, let us find you. It's in your son Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. All I want is what's coming to me. That's what Sally said. All I want is what's coming to me. All I want is my fair share. (sighs) Sally is quite the character. We all know a Sally or two in our lives, don't we? I know a few Sallys in my life, I'll be honest. Um... I must confess, though, the Christmas wish lists that are made in my house sometimes would be much simpler if they just ended with the or send cash. (laughs) It would be a lot easier. My kids still put together their Christmas wish lists. Um, However, uh, I I am grateful that Meyer still puts out the Christmas toy flyer um, for them to go through and they can circle what they would like to get. you know, when I was a kid, we used to get the catalogs that would come in the mail, and we would, um, we would uh, cut out the pictures of what we wanted, and we would paste them with these old, I don't know if you remember the old paste with the cap that had the stick in it, and you'd paste the pictures on the paper, and then we would put them in order of what we wanted most, and then we'd put it on the refrigerator for the family to see, because it wasn't necessarily you would get it purchased for you, someone might make something that looked like it for you as well. Um, But nowadays, my kids put together their wish lists on Amazon. Um, Things have changed, but they really remain the same because my kids um, still think they will get everything that goes on that wish list. If there's one thing or a thousand things on that wish list, um, they think they're going to get it all. 
But, you know, as I've aged, I've realized that my hope and my hopes have changed, and I have witnessed and seen my parents' desires at Christmas change over time as well. Uh, I care less now about getting things, and I care more about my children's experiences. Uh, my parents seem to hope more for, uh, more, more, or they care less about gifts, and they, they care, seem to care more about time spent together as a family at Christmas. Uh, they, they seem to care about more, even about individual time. You said there's the, there's the whole family time, but then there's also they seem to care about this one-on-one time with each grandchild. And surprisingly enough, one-on-one time with each of their children because they don't get to do that anymore. Have you seen your hopes change over time? Have you seen your desires move from possessions to these intangible connections? See, I think... That And I, I, don't, I want to change that. I believe. There's a difference between thinking and believing. I believe that that is a mark of maturity. I believe it's a mark of maturity. One thing that doesn't seem to change is the way that we all long for gifts that bring us peace in life, though. And our experience has taught us that the gifts that we get, you know, that bring us peace in life, like genuine peace in life. They don't come from those worldly possessions that Sally seems so focused on in this movie, that, that wish list. Now, that consumerism never really fills that hole um, of purpose and peace you know, that Charlie Brown is in search of in this movie. Sally's Christmas list is a mile long. You know, and if not, if not gifts, just send money. I can buy my own stuff. You know, that's what, she most, that's what she hoped for most. As if money, money could, money could buy her peace. I think we all do that sometimes. Like this one thing is going to give us the peace that we so desire. Like that one thing will give me peace. To fill that hole inside of our hearts. One more attempt to insert a possession into the place of peace inside of our hearts. One more time trying to put a thing in place of purpose. But it's all for naught. And so the question we're faced with today, the, the question that we all deal with continually, is where do we find peace? Where do we find peace? So often we, like Sally, look for peace, to fill our lives with peace, with things. We put our trust in, in you know, like in possessions and, and wealth and, and in power and in, in investments and, 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 and hope that they will, will bring us peace. But then the, <laughs> then the plumbing goes out because a three-year-old flushes down uh, wet wipes and that investment home that you purchased really is more of a money pit. Because it's just a thing. They never seem to bring, seem to bring us the p- 
peace in life that we seek. Sally looked for peace in the world. Today we're going to talk about Mary who looked for peace in God. And when she looked for peace in God, what she found was a sense of peace that, that surpassed anything that this world had to offer. And so we're going to talk about Mary for a minute. You know, Mary was like any other young Jewish world, or any younger, younger, young Jewish girl. This is where the three hours of sleep kick in. I'll try to slow down and articulate a little bit better. Mary was like any other young Jewish girl in the first century. She had hopes and dreams. Just like every one of us have hopes and dreams in life, Mary had hopes and dreams too. She was a real person. She was, not a, she was not a fool because she lived in antiquity. People in history were not stupid. They were smart. Some of the greatest philosophers and the most intellectual people lived in history. Just because they lived thousands of years ago did not make them hopeless people. Mary was a dreamer too. She had hopes and aspirations in her life, just like every one of us does. She would have dreamed of being able to marry an honest man of God, the right man, of having lots of children because that's what you wanted and desired in that time period because having lots of children meant that you were blessed by God. Mary would have dreamed that her children would have had grown to have lives that were blessed by God, that they would have had lots of children. She could have possibly even dreamed that one of her children may have even become the Messiah, that, that soldier to bring justice to the people, that confused vision of what the Messiah might have been. Mary had dreams too. You see, Mary had her hopes crushed, though, because she had all of these hopes and dreams of what, of what she wanted her life to be until this angel, Gabriel, appeared to her. And she found, she had already found the man she was going to marry, an honorable man named Joseph. And Mary expected for her hopes and dreams to be fulfilled just like every other young woman expected them to through the normal processes of a husband and wife in marriage. But then, Gabriel showed up. I invite you to hear how it's recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And if you want to follow along, it's in your pew Bibles on page 1588. Um, I'm going to pick it up in verse 26, where it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is, is uh, Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled, troubled at his words and, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born, or the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your, word be May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary had a choice to make. We don't often talk about the choices that we have to make, but Mary actually had a choice that she had to make. You see, Gabriel said that the Holy Spirit will come upon her meaning that Mary was not yet pregnant. Right? She had to choose to either trust in God, to hope in what God would do in conceiving this baby, or not to. You know, that's that whole free will thing. Yeah, we don't always like talking about that, because then we talk, oh, can I say no to God? Trusting in God meant becoming pregnant outside of wedlock in a culture that condemned women that became pregnant without being married. If she were pregnant without being married, Joseph could divorce her because the marriage, while they weren't married or they were married, but she was not, they weren't married, they were betrothed, they were technically already married in the culture. That's why he would divorce her quietly, even though they weren't married. It's Jewish culture. It's the, it's the betrothed to be married. It's like breaking off the engagement still required a divorce. So if you said, yes, I'll marry you, well, then you're already married, even though we haven't had the ceremony, if that makes any sense. Different culture. It's a different culture. If she were pregnant before she were married, Joseph would divorce her. Her reputation would be destroyed. She could actually even be killed by Jewish law. She would be an adulterer. From a worldly point of view, there was no reason to trust God in any of this. There was, there was no rational reason for Mary to say, yes, remember, she's an intelligent person. She's not a fool because she's living in history. She's a smart person. Just like you and I are smart people, like us, she would have said, it is impossible to become pregnant as a virgin. That's not the way it works. My mama told me once, that's not the way it works. And the risks seem too high. This could cost me my entire life if I say yes. But regardless, Mary said yes. She said yes. She trusted in God, and in doing so, she found peace. She wasn't stuck searching for peace. She found peace. She actually found it. 
Where do you turn to and where do you look for peace in your life? Are you more like Sally? Looking to worldly things, purchases, items, possessions, investments to bring you peace in life? Or are you like Mary and turn to God? To trust God regardless of whether or not it makes sense or not. See, I think Mary was like, I don't get it. If, if it were me and I were Mary, I would say, this doesn't make sense to me, God. How can I be pregnant? I don't get it. But I'm choosing to trust anyways. Regardless of the risks associated, finding peace in God requires that we commit ourselves wholly to God, just as Mary did. Because Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. Mary was able to find peace, true peace, not just like, oh, I feel good, but true peace in life by fully surrendering to God in her life, by fully surrendering wholly surrendering, her, surrendering herself to God's care. And that's how we find peace in our lives too because it's through our submission and our total commitment to God. Think about it for a second. What it would have took for Mary to submit to God in this. What it would have taken. She gave her life fully to God. Now I'm going to be honest for just one second. Well, I'm always honest, but... I have never birthed a child in my life. You can write that down in your notes. It's true. I've never had a baby, but I have had the pleasure to live with my wife while she has grown three children in her belly. I can tell you from firsthand experience that babies change things. I thought more people would laugh than just my wife. This is why pastors shouldn't tell jokes. We all know that, that, there are, that women go through changes when they have babies, but it's more than physical, hormonal, and emotional changes that happen in the body. There is a significant change, in my opinion, that is a God, this is my opinion, that happens, and it's a God-given change, that happens in the two-become-one relationship when a baby is born. My wife sitting up here is not the same woman that I married 13 years ago, three children later. And that is a blessing. I think that's the way God intended it to be. Somehow, through the having of children, my wife is not the same person that she was when I married her 13 years ago. I think that's the way God designed it. Because when we got married, it was us two. You and me, babe, we take on the world. When we had a child, it's you and me plus one. And it wasn't just husband, wife. Now it's wife, mom, husband, dad. Throw in the other relational dynamics that change, and now it's Wife, mom, daughter, daughter-in-law. And now we have grandma, daughter, wife, mother. And we have all of these different connection points. And now a mother is also a spouse, but is also a daughter. 
who is the provider, but also the child. Everything changes. This is what Mary had to move from. She had dreams and hopes of this beautiful future of being married, having children, a legacy. She had to give it up for something else. For Mary to trust God and to submit to his will, it meant giving up everything that she knew in life because following God's plan, having this baby, would change everything. Submitting to God, to God's will, and trusting his plan means letting God be in control. It means letting God be in control of our lives completely. It means that we say yes to the unknowns, even when it means that change is inevitable. If it's our desire to find peace in our lives, contentment, shalom, wholeness, fullness in life, it requires surrender of control. And we don't like that term. But peace is found when God is in control. And I encourage you to think about Mary. She was engaged. But now she's going to have a child that's conceived by the Holy Spirit. All she has is a list of unknowns. What's Joseph going to say? What's her family going to say? What is the community going to say? And there is nothing about this situation that's going to be easy. Everything points to struggle, conflict, trial, adversity, a census that is going to happen at the time of the birth, no room at the inns in Bethlehem, having to give birth in a barn, stinky old shepherds coming to visit them, in the barn, not a glamorous line of work, shepherds. It's not like the Hallmark cards. Again, pastors shouldn't tell jokes. This is not what Mary was dreaming for. This was not her dream for her life, nor was it what she hoped for in her life. But when Mary surrendered to God and placed her trust in him, God gave her the strength to endure it. Not only that, Mary found peace as she put her trust in him. Placing our trust in God means giving all that we are to him and then sticking with him even when things get hard. You see, Mary says yes to God and then she goes to Elizabeth's house who's also pregnant in a miraculous way. She's, she stays with Elizabeth for three months of her pregnancy. So for Mary's first three months of pregnancy and for Elizabeth's last three months of her pregnancy, because Elizabeth is pregnant with John, who becomes John the baptizer, who ends up baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River later on. They walk this journey together. And while Mary visits Elizabeth, she sings this song as recorded a little bit later in Luke. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has made mindful of the he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. His name holy is his name. 
His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in, the innermo- in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lift up the- lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The Magnificat, Mary's song, helps us to begin to understand what Mary is feeling in all of this. Mary's peace came from understanding, from believing that God knew who she was. God knows who I am. Her peace was tied to her understanding that God was going to do something great in and through her. That God was going to lift her up. This is where peace comes from, even today in our lives. It comes from knowing that God knows us. He knows us, who we are, and that God is going to do something in and through us. That he will lift us up. That is where peace comes from in our life. You see, God knows who we are. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our hopes. He knows our dreams. He knows what will bring us peace in our lives even more than we do. And even when we fail to know and understand ourselves. So I grew up in the church. I was baptized at two years old in a little country church 20 miles down M21 from here. But I didn't accept Jesus Christ into my heart until I was 13 years old at Wesley Woods Camp. And it was at communion down at Fireball. Pastor Scott Otis was my pastor at the church at the time, and he was serving communion. And, and I came down to the front. I, you know, I left my camp girlfriend there at the thing, went down to the front, and Scott gave me my piece of communion bread. He said, Tim, this is your piece. And I had a Holy Spirit moment in that moment. And I hit the ground in prayer before that old cross at the camp. And I gave my life to Christ. 13 years old. Now, I I drifted in and out of the church for a while, but I was always drawn back to it. God continued to work in my life. I found my way back to the church. I led various ministries. I kept searching for my meaning and my purpose, like Charlie Brown drifting around, bouncing from person to person, trying to figure out what it was I was supposed to do with my life. I exited the military and began working in industry, volunteered in ministry. I started college. I directed children's uh, Christian education programming for a church. I served in music ministry while working full-time. I had no desire to be anything more than a volunteer in a church. Pastors are crazy people. No desire to do that in my life. I wanted to be a career man. That was my hope and my dream. I wanted to be a teacher like my parents. Be a volunteer in the church on the side. That was my goal. That was my dream. That's what I wanted to be and do with my life. I got my first teaching contract in southwest Kansas and taught sixth grade. I loved everything about it. I loved my classroom. I loved my team teacher. I loved my district. It was the best experience of my life, and I loved 
everything about it. And I took over, foolishly took over the youth ministry of the local Methodist church. And then the next year I took over the Christian education programming. I wanted my dream. I wanted to be the teacher like my parents. I wanted to live in one home. I wanted to become a part of the community. And I wanted to retire with dignity. But I was still searching for peace in all of it. I was still searching for peace. And I loved the work. But one day while I was teaching in my classroom, I began to wonder. The seed was planted in my brain that said, are you teaching in the wrong classroom, Tim? And that next week, the lead pastor of the church, Pastor Dave, pulled me into his office and said, sat me down. And he said, Tim, when you're ready um, to start talking about becoming a full-time pastor, I'm ready to walk with you through that process. I said, whoa, that's no, I'm not, no, that's not me. I have no intention. You pastors are crazy. I don't want to do that. There's no way I would subject my family and my life to that crazy. I went home and talked to Erin about it. You know what she said? Well, it's about time. That's a, it's in quotes in here, because that's exactly what she said. Because she had seen it all along. And I put my trust in God, and it was not easy, and it was not easy at all, but I have found peace in my life in a whole new way. And I know that God knows me, and I know that one day God is going to do great things in my life and through me, and God will lift me up. And if, and if it is true for me, I know that it is true for everyone, all of you and everyone else, because there is nothing special. There's absolutely nothing special about my story that is different from anyone else's nothing special about my story. The only thing that I think is special about my story is that I said yes. Mary said yes. And I'm not saying you have to become a pastor. I'm saying that the special point in anyone's story, anyone's story, is when you say yes. When God puts that vision in your life. When God says this is what I've called you to be and do. And there's uncertainty. And there's a world of unknowns. And it can mean your whole life is going to change. And it means your dreams that you had may not come the way that you want them to come out. And it means that thing that you said you never wanted to be or do, because it's crazy, becomes what God wants you to be and do. That defining moment for Mary was saying yes she had free will she could have said no but because she surrendered and because she said yes to God God was able to do something amazing through her and Jesus Christ our Savior was born we gather today because Mary said yes my life was transformed on, when at 13 years old at Wesley Woods Campground because Mary said yes to a crazy idea. And when we say yes to God and surrender our lives and hearts and our hands to him, God can do amazing things in our lives. And just as a baby begins small and grows, so too does that peace grow slowly and small in our lives as well. It starts small. It's not always instantaneous like most things, it starts small and it grows over time. Often God works in incremental ways, starts incrementally, 
and it starts to grow exponentially. And that's how peace often grows. As our trust begins to grow, so too does our peace. And finding peace depends on where you search for it. And if we search like Sally in the world, we're going to come up lacking. But if we search like Mary for the place where peace is found, and we give ourselves like Mary and say, I am the Lord's servant, may your word in me be fulfilled. And we say, yes, we will not merely search for peace, but we will find it in God. And I invite you today to, to be like Mary and to surrender and to not look in this, into this world for peace, but to look to God instead, to trust him, to go where he leads, because God will take you, take you to a place of peace that this world cannot offer. And it's an amazing place to be. Let's pray together. Holy God, we pray for your peace to come in our lives. Like Mary, we want to be your servants in this world. May your word be fulfilled in us, Lord, in whatever way you need it to be. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. Amen.